Hey, hey, everybody. It's Thursday. And first things first, okay? Mother's Day is actually on Sunday, okay? March 14th, 2023. I Googled it today. Listen, I know it's important, but if you're not a mom, but you have a mom or like people you love that are uh, motherly figures, you just be living life and sometimes you forget, okay? So I just want to throw that out there. Get your candies, chocolates, gift cards, uh, cookout, favorite food, champagne, Hennessy, however it is that you do what you do to celebrate uh, the people and the mothers, the people you love. That's great. We also want to hold space for people who lost their mothers, maybe didn't know their mothers, are estranged from their mothers. We know sometimes this can be a hard time for you and we're holding space for you. So no worries. And then we also want to be celebratory. Okay. Shout out to all the Mimas, Abuelas, uh, Tia's, uh, TTs, <laughs> um, ITs, play moms, all that. We celebrate everybody, okay? And uh, today's episode should be pretty juicy. We are uh, maybe giving giving Pam the mic um, <clears throat> as she shares some motherly <clears throat> advice uh, from raising your girl all of these many many years. So, calling all parental figures, actual parents, people that want to know, like, what do moms be thinking about? This episode is for you. Hi, I'm Pam Williams, a mother. And I'm Jessica E. Williams, a daughter. And this is A Mother and a Daughter Truthful Chat, where we discuss our 35-year multi-layered relationship. We've been through so many ups and downs. Not only are we family, but we're business partners in the high-stress world of event planning and production for short films. We've also shared the same therapist for over 10 years. What some people call codependence, we call collaboration. So join us as we share stories from our lives, have candid conversations with other mother-daughter duos, and shed light on the roller coaster ride of being a woman while raising a woman. Welcome to Truthful Chats. This is the ongoing practice here uh, at Create Generational Wellness uh, to get to generational wellness. Okay, creating generational wellness. Um, that's in body, 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 mind, <laughs> spirit, soul, etc., etc. Anyway, there's more in the description box. So uh, here at uh, Create Generational Wellness, we always have a theme, and then truthful chats, which is what you're watching now. This is the truthful chat episode, is where we unpack that theme a little bit. So uh, the theme for this month of May is truth. And today's episode is going to be mom truth. Tip number two, positive self-esteem equals confidence. We hope usually. So anyway, uh, we, try. we try, we try, we try. Anyway, um, if you checked out last week's episode, you know, Pam's going through something in life for her throat. So um, I decided to join her on the tea train. Solitaire. Yeah, Maybe we'll make this a part of the thing. Maybe yeah, you just maybe so. grab some tea for the truthful chat. So if you hear clinking of spoons or cups or something, that's what it is. So we can keep our throats hydrated for your listening pleasure. And, and I was on a lot of airplanes this past That's weekend, true. And so. the vid is still vidding. Don't let the people uh, fool you. Okay. We don't want to be morbid, but it's it's true. Okay. Be careful out there. Anyway, so uh, we've been passing Pam the mic so she can share her uh, motherly truths. And then I chime in where I can. <laughs> okay. So please introduce us to uh, why you want to talk about this topic today. 
So I really wanted to talk about self-image and confidence and what that looks like for girls at different ages and different stages, because you hear a lot about it, right? You hear about um, girls needing to have positive self-image, self-esteem, become, you know, Black girl magics and have all this strong power and resilience. And that doesn't just happen by accident. You kind of have to think about it. You have to pray about it. You have to do what you can to plan it. And um, like I mentioned last week, really paying attention to your child and being mindful because there's some little things that seep in that don't seem like they might be that much outside influences. Yeah, that don't seem like they might impact that much because you're doing what you're doing on this side. So you're thinking everything is cool, but um, you come to find out that it's impacting your child in a weird way. I just had somebody, moms call me a lot, just you know, they do because I'm an old mom and I have an old der child. So um I could be old. I'm really not. <laughs> so people, so you know, so people sometimes call me and ask me, Miss Pam, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? This is going on, that's going on. And so I started thinking back over, you know, the last 30 years or so, and things have not been perfect. You know, we've had our challenges as mothers and daughters and daughters and mothers, but I think there are some things that you can pay attention to on a regular basis and um, and see how it'll help you. One of the things I have to tell you, trying to figure out how to be responsible for building confidence and self-worth into somebody, your child, is a really scary thing. It is a big, 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 big responsibility. And as parents, we always wonder if we're doing it right. Did we do this right? Did we do it? Is this good? Is it not good? Is Am I praising enough? Am I not praising too much? Am I praising too much? There's just all these different variables that go into it. And um, you worry about it. You worry Granted, about it a lot. Some of us don't have children, by the way. Yes. A lot of responsibilities. But yes. continue. So you worry about it a lot. So you try to think about what should I do at this particular age? Because you don't want to... Start doing things that are overwhelming for a child because when you do that, then you make them think that there's no way that they're going to ever be successful because everything you're trying to teach them or show them seems like it's too much. And we were watching some parenting show back a few months ago and they had all these different parents and different parenting styles. Oh, yeah. It was some show you was watching on NBC or something. Yeah, it was. It I was, don't really watch TV in real time anymore. Everything is streaming for you, girl. But yeah, she was watching some about like it was like a parent swap. It wasn't even a white mother used to do wife swap and it wasn't a nanny. Uh, no, it was. It was I can't remember the name of it. If, if I think of it, I can. But they was like testing the kids about all this stuff. It was like interesting. The parents on the show were all raising their children in different ways. And so the other parents, it was a little judgy too, though, because the other parents would watch and um, critique other people's people's parenting styles. So one of the things is, you know, they have like, you know, um, traditional parenting. They kind of had like a really strict parenting. They had like a military style, you know, parenting um, kind of bohemian hippie type. And so they were seeing how all the children reacted, responded. responded to challenges. One was, you know, jumping off 
a pool, the top, the very high diving. See how it looked like? What? Yeah, <laughs> jumping off the highest no diving fair. board. And they were saying that, um, you know, the kids that really, really trusted their parents or had been raised to try new things and to do new things were more apt, even though they were scared, they were more apt to actually jump. Then there was this one episode where, you know, the parents were talking about my kid would not open the door for a stranger or whatever. That was the scariest one. And I was not paying attention, but they got me on that. I said, oh, whose baby's going to be opening the door for the stranger? And all of a sudden, you know, the parents were like, oh, no, my child would never weed this, that, and the other. Those little kids were opening the doors, taking in packages. But it was interesting because of the demographics. So it was some kids who, you know, they grew up in cities. So they were like, oh, no, we don't open the door for strangers. Some kids grew up in the country. So they were like, it's the mailman or the whatever. They didn't have a lot of human interaction. So they were like, okay. So it was a little. And a lot of parents thought their kids knew better. So I'm saying all that to say, as much as you think you're doing a really good job and you're taking all this time and energy and to pour all these things into your, your child, sometimes you're just amazed and you just go, okay, that did not work at all. I thought I was, you know, had this on lock. So anyway, why is it important? For your child to have a good sense of self-esteem and self-image, well, it makes them resilient. Um, as we talked about a little bit last week, you want okay. them to not be afraid to try new things. And if it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well, but it's part of the process. And now you learn what doesn't work. So you want to instill a sense in them that it's okay to get something wrong. You're going to learn from it. You're going to be better for it at the end of the day. Sometimes I was good at that. Sometimes I was not. And I think it's because, in all my defense of myself. Go ahead. Tell your, tell your truth. It's my truth. It's because my mom died early and there was so much that I wished that she had had a chance to tell me. So I realized sometimes I would be talking too much and trying to do too much and trying to teach too much and trying to instill too yeah. much. Too many teachable moments. <laughs> too many teachable moments. Which you would say. And I still do that a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but they are teachable moments. But so people. you want the child to be resilient. You want them to have a sense of control. Intrinsic, in, intrinsic, intrinsic, I never can say that word, intrinsic motivation, which means you want them to be able to decide what to do without having been told what to do because they've learned that this is a smart choice. I love that little boy too. I didn't make a smart choice. Oh yeah, it's a little boy on the internet. On the it's internet. Great. So, um, but you want them to be able to think about the choices and decide this is a good one, this is not a good one. Um, what should I do instead? You want them to have that ability to navigate and to be independent and to feel respected um, when they're in interactions with other people. People can't run over you. They can't punk you. Um, respectfully, <laughs> but. If you have a good self-image and self-esteem, then you will stand stand your ground in a good way, we hope. Being yeah, not, very sexy. Not that other stand. Yeah, no, cover not up. That, not oh, that this is still right. <laughs> not that other stand your ground. But uh, anyway, and you want them to make good decisions. Now, if they don't have good self-esteem, you'll see that in terms of a lot of anxiety. And we're going to put a pin in that for from 20 to 23. Everybody got anxiety. The so, 20s is whack. Let me yeah. let me just go ahead and say this right now. No, Let's, no, no. I mean, 20, 20 to 20, 20 Oh, oh, oh you the mean age. the age. Yeah. I still stand by what I said. Though. Yeah. Middle school is trash. The 20s, 
early Unless some 20s. of y'all are high or whatever throughout it and sexing and drugging, it could be a low whack. So I just want to always put that out there for people because they'd be really lost during that time. But anyway, yes, the pandemic years. The pandemic the years. years. I'm not I'm not talking about the anxiety that we all naturally have out of that. But I'm talking about if a child is constantly living with low self-esteem caused by, you know, a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of negative talk from others around them, um, not being seen, not being valued, um, uh, not feeling respected, not feeling heard. All of those things will make them sink into a place of frustration, anger, sadness, and anxiety that they most of the time don't know how to express because um, they have low self-esteem and they figure what they have to say is not important. So that's a really another reason why I always encourage parents to really, really, really try to listen to your children, not perfunctory listening, but really listening carefully so you can hear what they're saying and then try to get to the, the underlying layer of what it is that's causing them to say that. Um, you know, we just, middle school is trash. When you get to middle, middle school, school they will start Especially saying Especially for girls. I don't know for the boys. I really oh don't know. Gosh. I imagine it's the same. Um, but the girls. You have difficulty hormones, making and keeping soft. friends in middle school. You know why? Because it's the thing to do, to be mad Everybody at this person room. next week. And then we're going to switch and we all going to be mad at this person. So if you internalize that, um, then you think that it's you. You don't know how to make friends. You don't, you don't know, know how it's to just trendy friends. to just break up with yeah. friendships that week. Or that, that couple that's months. just something you do in middle Trash. school. You know, <clears throat> um, you fall into withdrawal. Then you fall into trying to, you know, peer pressure. Go along with that, and um, people can easily manipulate you into doing things. I can tell you now, I did not have that problem with this child here. She would call me from a party in a minute going, I saw a lot of come pick me up. <laughs> many things. I don't want to be here with them doing this, that, and the other, and whatever. So she kind of had that things. intrinsic motivation of knowing what she wanted to do and what she didn't do. Now, if you go back to last week's episode, you will hear me say the way that I prayed over her when she was little was so that she heard what. I believe God had an expectation for her life and what we had an expectation for her. So I think that by the time she got a little bit older, <coughs> she realized this doesn't fit into that plan and that purpose. So now let me go ahead and say this. Not that that is easy. I think we don't talk about this enough. Maybe this is a separate, separate episode, but even with all those things that you know, or, you know, is the right thing or whatever, peer pressure is a real thing. You want to fit in with the homies, particularly in those age years and that, time frame but i think there's something to be said about learning to stand on your own two feet whether the majority agrees with you or not and you know your parents ain't always gonna be there so i think i learned very early and possibly from prayers or you know all these things she's talking about on a, a inception level right um mm -hmm. You know, I had a youth pastor who told me, like, you and God always make up the majority. And for some reason, that always stuck with me. Like, it never really left me. That, like, okay, even if all the homies don't agree with what I'm doing, they don't have to They don't have to answer to the same people that I have to answer to when I get back to the crib or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they, they don't, we're not, we not necessarily living the same life. I will hope that if you're rocking with me, we all have the same, you know, morals and agenda and that kind of thing. And then, you know, you find out who does and who does not. But 
Um, I'm not gonna sit here and make that sound like it was always an easy thing to do. I know because you had people stop inviting you to stuff sometimes because oh, yeah, they yeah. be like, I'm, I'm not, not doing, doing that. This. Like, no, I yeah. don't want to go to that. I don't want to do this thing. Nope. And so I kind of got I maybe out of necessity had to get comfortable being a loner, you know what I mean? And that makes you, you know, and then they have all those things they say about loners that they like, they're going to be cutters. And I'm like, okay, sometimes it don't, it don't go that, that far, but it does build again. I think a certain level of resilience in you to be who you are, regardless of who's rocking with it. And that's a skill set that you can take into anything that you're doing going forward uh, in life. So yeah, just that. Yeah. So different stages, different plans. Um, in elementary school, it was more of you're exploring, you're finding out what you're interested in, where your creativity is, but you do like what you don't. As I mentioned, she started writing really early. So in elementary school, I always tried to encourage her to get into things that involved writing or storytelling or that kind of Something. thing, because I knew it was, you know, literature and English and all those good mm -hmm. things. Always the Scholastic Book Club. You'd be buying no, the, the most book books. Club no, I'd be book. buying the most books. Yeah. I yeah. used to love, like, books was my joy. I'm trying to get back to that, like, as a dope. It's kind of hard. I don't know. Some, shout out to the children's, children's literature, children's book authors. I don't know. Something about that time. If you can get, get the imagination revved up, it's a good thing. Um, and I think in elementary school, I, like, led with that. So I think that, like, I knew I was gonna kill it in English class. Now math, that's, that's not, not me. Talk about it. It's not me. But I knew that anything having to do with you know English literature, reading, writing, that was my stuff. Like that was where I excelled. So I led with that and knowing that like I can win in this. You know what I mean? This this is my lane. So um, we didn't. So I had a confidence in that. Yeah, we didn't do the science there. What we did do, what was that thing called? Reflections, which yes. was. Uh, uh, just went to elementary school in Burbank. Like write a bunch of stories or something. You could enter in anything. You could enter in drawing, but they were all. It was the creative was arts. Not a drawer. It, you could have. You could have painted something, drawn something, wrote a poem, wrote a short story, oh, wrote okay. a thing. So that's why you were in that, and you wrote poems and you wrote stories, and your pieces always made it to the final. You know, judgment At judging. In the city of Burbank, too. Yes, but I remember losing, and it was a very traumatic These things situation. happen. It's part of life. Yeah, it but if he's talking sense. about resilience, that was a scarring moment, for sure. All right, I, well, you're I still writing. How about that? Uh, I've, I've tapered out over the years, but I still do have a passion for it, yes. I All enjoy right. a well-written story, but yes. All right. It was so we celebrated the achievement when it happened. We did. <laughs> we celebrated the process of going through it, because like I said, it's not about you have to win. It's you participated. You participated and not a participation award, but you participated and you did well. You know, one of the things I'm, I always have and still fuss at her about it and her therapist does too, is to celebrate her wins and her accomplishments. Because yes, yes. even though you didn't win, it was the whole city of Burbank. But it wasn't good enough, which is my own, <laughs> which is what I be talking about in uh, therapy by lack of feeling good enough and where does that come from and i'm not gonna say burbank is racist but burbank is a it esteems the predominantly white let's go ahead yeah. and say that yeah so it was hard being you know the predominantly one of six kids in the school 
African-American kids, maybe six to 10 kids in the whole school. And then on top of that, being, you know, selected to be in that uh, competition and getting to the citywide level. And I think it was third place. It wasn't like you didn't. It's not first, but whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so anyway, elementary school, Worry we got that. out of there, um, kind of more honing where her interests, where her creativity was. And then we went to middle school, which is not a happy Trash. place. But one of the things that happens in middle school a lot is that's when the self-image thing really starts. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. Uh, I'm too dark. I'm too light. I'm too this. I'm too that. It's all those things start to come up in middle school because kids are mean. And that's what they start <laughs> saying and start talking about. Period. Period. Okay. Here okay. In middle school. It's the hormones. I understand it. I get it. But it was... It's really hard, but it's it's not just the hormones. Let's let's just be ti clear. And I want to shout out uh, everybody watching in real time. We really love you. Thank you for rocking with us, and uh, for your commentary. We love you, Bishop, and various others. Um, yeah, you know, some of y'all just be raising your kids to be mean. Let's let's just let's just get into it. I don't know what happens at people's houses. I don't know how people talk to each other, but sometimes you you you. Some of the kids that was bullies and really rude, they probably had like really traumatic home situations and they just didn't talk about it. So mm -hmm. I just want to. Which I used to tell you all the time. That's another thing. That's true. You... I was always kind to my classmates, which is why I feel bad for the kids now that have um, the school shootings going on. You know, when we was coming up, that was rare. Like Columbine was like a big deal. Like he was Shit. like, they shooting people at the school now? Like, mm -hmm. ooh. So it really put into perspective which she would tell me because I read a lot of like devotionals before going to school and like that kind of thing um so that I would be mindful to what try somebody to see else is going to yeah. God and other people and be kind to people and you know that kind of imagine thing. what might be going on with them for them to be that way acting that way or being the the quiet shy kid like I was never I tried never to be mean to those people I think sometimes you get caught up in the bystanderness again watch peer pressure right like if somebody else is making fun of people then you like may or may not say something mm -hmm. I think usually I I've said something maybe not always but yeah. usually I was like nah you out yep, of pocket you so, were yeah eclectic group of friends because of yes Brandon uh education begins at home that's where it starts so. yeah and then sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. Because I remember taking you at those Girl Scouts. The Girl Scouts well, that in Burbank. Well, that was the white supremacy, so. Yeah, there is no brownie version of the brownie Scouts <laughs> or whatever that is in the Burbank. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, we, we, we are getting out of here. It didn't take but a minute. Um, and that's another thing. Don't have your kid in an environment where you know there is potential for them to be mistreated for no good reason. You know what I mean? If it's like a competition or something, which we'll get to a minute in a minute with this middle school and sports. But if you can see that there's mean girls with mean moms and <laughs> it's just going to keep getting That's worse. That's why we never did pageants. I was never going to be a pageant girl. You know, and I some other organizations I can name too, but they shall oh. remain nameless on here right now because it may not necessarily <laughs> okay. be white supremacist organizations. But if you see oh, there's some drama and bougie color, bougie things going on that you're like, I, nobody needs this. You know what I mean? Make a decision. Classism. But you could have that kind of child. Economics. You could have that kind of child that gravitates to debutante balls and social things and this, that, and the other. Just know your kid. If your kid is not that kid, 
Don't try to put them in it just because you'll feel better. Don't vicariously look for your <laughs> if your kid is proud. I was a debutante, and I girl drink your tea. Didn't you like it much, choking. and so, but I didn't try to make her be in it because I was in it. Like I could see that was not her swag particularly. So again, this is my main thing: is pay attention to your children and try to give them experiences and exposure that's going to make them feel supported. Now, we did belong to another Black organization. If you've ever watched Blackish in an episode, that episode with the rites of passage. It was the very first episode. That The pilot. That was modeled after an organization that we were in. And that was really important to me because we came from Harlem. And Harlem was Black and Blackity Black, black at that time. And so we, her self-esteem as a young black woman could have gone either way out here in the San Fernando Valley. And we've always lived in the Valley. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's a little bit of demographics. If yeah. you had lived in LA, maybe things have been a little bit different, but we have had a plethora of people that we've known that have lived in the Valley that have been blackish. Now there's anything wrong with it. But that's just not. But I believe in being black. Okay, so you know. So anyway, that's our that's our aesthetic. However, um, you know, it was interesting for me that she had that organization. It was important to me that she had that organization because of what it stood for, self esteem. I felt like it gave her at that time and church. You know, yes, we at church often. We were, you know, and. Our church and everybody pretty much at the church was black. So again, you got to plan activities and places and things for your kids to go that are going to celebrate them and encourage them. That's all I'm going to say about that. Middle school, tri sports, not her thing at all. Would do outstanding at the track meet. Go break records, do all these things, but never wanted to go to practice. Like she was just like, I'm not into that. I was a sprinter. I never have belonged yes, in long sprinter. distance running. I still don't believe in long distance running. And I have trash knees that I inherited. And I feel like with track, and I knew somebody who was like an incredible track runner. Shout out to uh, Kimberly Oliver. And I saw that there was, you know, potential there. But I didn't love it. I didn't love sports. I don't think I wanted to be known for something that requires so much of my body. <laughs> uh, I just didn't want to be known. I just didn't want to do that. Mind. I just didn't want to do that. And I, I feel like even now, you know, I, I've watched people. I have friends who are athletes, you know what I mean? Who have like built their whole life on that. But it has an end point. Like once your body stopped being like, bro, you can't run that fast no more. Or like you, you have an injury and that's it. You know what I mean? So I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't want to be known for anything having to do with my body like that. And I just kind of felt like there was a finiteness to it. I don't know how I knew that, but I was like, shout out to everybody getting scholarship money and doing all that. But I was just like, I just knew it wasn't for me. But you did wind up getting scholarship money, but you got it in what you're good at. I got it for acting. Yeah, and the arts. So in high school, again, I think as you go, you start to develop and fine tune what things you want to keep pouring into, what things you want to put your money in as a parent. Um, that's true. Yeah. I'm, I think I mentioned in <laughs> extracurriculars is pricey in summer school. She was going to Marlboro summer school for, um, you know, a bunch of different things, actually it was math catch up number one and math catch up and math, try to get ahead always. And then the arts to balance that out because, um, 
math is where she had challenge and arts is where she excelled. So going to Marlboro, now we really discover she can act, she can write, she can do all these things. So let's start pouring, you know, more resources and things into that particular area of her life. However, <clears throat> I always knew by middle school that we had to get out of Burbank, that that was not going to be a healthy place yeah. for her esteem and environment. So I started trying to find a different school, a different school environment after middle school, because I knew I didn't necessarily want her to go to high school in Burbank. No shape, no foul to anybody else that went to high school in Burbank, but it wasn't for her. And I think it's one because the schools are really big there. Um, I think by then we knew my passion, but we knew I probably was not going to excel as a black actress at these predominantly huge white schools. And I just remember a lot of people, no shade, I still see some of those people. People who be in Burbank, be in Burbank. Do you know what I mean? Like for their life, if you grew up there, like they very rarely venture out. So I think somewhere in the, that was sort of in the back of, probably in the back of her mind about that too. But like, you know, that's also something to consider of like, yeah. could you potentially get stuck here and just get comfortable here mm -hmm. and not push no. yourself out? No. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it in the school. I couldn't see her having the lead in the school play, yeah, that was which she deserved the lead in the school play. And I couldn't see that happening in Burbank. So I was like, oh, no, we have to go. So um, we interviewed at a couple of schools. And here's another thing you have to know. As much as I loved Marlboro Summer School, it was very free, very bohemian, very, you know, kind of. It was kids lovely, from all over the city. Yeah, lovely place kids to be. Kids from all over the city. We interviewed to go to Marlboro for regular high school. And I knew when we got dressed, this was not going to work. <laughs> because I was putting on a suit and some pearls. And she was putting on a skirt. and That's not our stuff. You, you know, see how we dress right now? Stockings. This is right And heels and little kitten heels and pumps. And I'm like, the whole time we were doing it, I was like, God, what is happening? This is not going to work out. And so then we wound up, we went to that interview, little white blouses, little skirts, little things, no. which is perfect for some people. Some people. JD, I know that was your steeds and it's still day. your steeds, but it's cool. Uh, but for us, then we thank God for Brent Jennings who said, Shout out to Uncle Brent. Shout out to the whole Jenny. Shout out to Aaron. Yeah, yeah but Brent Jennings said, Pam, check out some other schools. Just go around and see what you can find. You, you're going to find the one because they're looking for kids like Jess, you know, to give scholarship money to. Facts. And sure enough, in doing that, we wound up going to New Rose. And if I tell you we went to New Rose pretty much dressed the way that we are now like with jeans and a t-shirt and a sweatshirt and the principal was dressed that way and had a Birkenstocks and this, that, Shout and the other. Bryant. And the school had <laughs> 350 students in total. And I was like, this is the place where she'll thrive. This will be good for her <coughs> and her self-esteem and her image Drink and her confidence. Yes. She just be steady choking and just All right. not so, Drink the tea. See? And then that ultimately led to her being in every play having the lead in multiple plays at that school and her gift being encouraged at that school. So I cannot stress parents, pay attention to the school. And if you got to go, you got to go and you got to find somewhere else. It's it's 
probably one of the most important things. Um, and so then ultimately from there, she went to USC. Shout out to the Again, fam. scholarship for what she has been doing all her life, kind of acting, writing, that kind Storytelling of Storytelling. Storytelling. Various pockets. Storytelling. Now, was that the best choice? The jury's still out on that. We are... Um, and it's no disrespect. We're already here. It's no disrespect to the school as a whole. Okay. I always wanted to go to SC. I feel like I don't know. I saw Love and Basketball and I was like, that's where I need to go. Whatever. Um, and it was a good time. It's in LA. You know what I mean? I was very excited to go there. That being said, white supremacy always abounds. And particularly in theatrical environments where most of the texts that you're learning are very European. Eurocentric. Um, I just listened to Viola Davis's autobiography and she has one whole chapter about being in theater school at Juilliard. And I was like, girl, preaching to the choir over here, everything you said. Um, and there may be some people listening and watching that agree. Uh, being a black theater student and a, a PWI, PWI, any of them, any of them, is very difficult. I didn't go and to if you an don't HBCU. Know what that means, that's a, a private white, predominantly white. white institution. So it can be not that the training wasn't good, but I did spend a lot of my time pretending to be or a private way. Uh, okay, or a private way. I did spend a lot of my time pretending to be uh, Caucasian, European, uh, white girl, and learning and double and, acting and taking on those roles, right? Like trying to connect to things that were not connected to me and I'm in a lot of debt uh, because of it. So, you know, but I also learned a lot about myself during those times, good times, bad times, highs and lows, depressive episodes, things of that nature, which we can say for another episode. But definitely. Anyway, um, I thought we followed, we were following the passions <coughs> into the university that I chose. And um, yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yes, yes, yes. So in closing, kind of um, um, pay attention as your daughter gets older, recognize changes, um, recognize challenges, encourage them to talk to you about it, even if they don't want to. And if you've practiced being a good listener since they were little, you are more likely to have them readily open up and talk to you about things. And it gets harder. You know what I mean? It's easy to turn out the school and quit the brownies and the Girl Scouts. But as they get older and they're learning how to navigate through these places themselves, there's a whole lot more uh, conversations and um, recommendations and reading. And you just got to do a lot of work, moms. I'm telling you, you don't got to do work. And you can, and I hear people say all the time, does it get any easier as they get older? I don't think so. I think it gets more complicated because now they're formulating their own beliefs and values and everything from wherever <clears throat> they're formulating their own ideas. And you still are responsible as a parent for um, helping. You never stop helping. I don't think you should, but if you want to, you can't. But that's not. There me. are plenty of parents that stop helping their kids, uh, for, for sure. They like you and Adele, figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, she's not of that breed and variety, obviously, but shout out to those parents, too. Yes, yes, yes. So don't give up, moms. You may seem like, oh my God, this is. You teach your child not to give up, you model that. 
That's you model means. being assertive when it's time to be assertive, being kind when it's time to be kind, being empathetic, having compassion for others, having compassion for yourselves. It's all part of the process. It's all part of developing self-esteem, a good self-image and confidence because you want to feel valued. You want your child to feel valued and you want to boost their self-belief system about what they have the ability to do and how can they impact the world with the gifts that God has given them and with hopefully the tools and the mechanisms that you've given them to be self-confident, self-assured, um, Christ esteem. We used to say that all the time in youth group, right? A healthy dose of Christ esteem that, okay. and a healthy <laughs> dose of self-esteem. <laughs> they go together because you can't totally rely on yourself by yourself, but you do have to understand. And we believe that there's a higher power that gives you all these gifts and abilities. And then that will also guide you in the pathway of your life to get to the place where you need to be to do what you need to do. So, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. You know. I think you turned out okay. I'm all Still right. a work in progress. That's the other I'm thing. Right. This whole self-esteem thing, it doesn't stop. It waxes and wanes and goes, goes up, up and, and down, down all the way through your life. And, you know, they say that it kind of plateaus from until you get to 60. And then it starts to go down because now you're not um, as active. Your health may be challenged, quote unquote. Um, so all these different things. So then you still have to start to build a whole nother level of self-esteem and self-image that keeps you going for the second half of your life, if you want to put it like that. So we're both works in progress, girl. Always growing, <coughs> always changing, always evolving, all of the things. Well, with that, we're going to bid you adieu. We went a little long today, but it was fine. It was a good conversation. It's Mother's Day. I can if I want. To. That's true. As you always like to say, you can't whip me. You can't whip me. So, <laughs> unless you're going to reach through the screen and try it. We stay ready, Nick, if you but. No, I'm Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're going to bid you adieu. But, of course, we always ask you at this time, if you subscribed on the YouTube channel, thank you to those who have. We appreciate y'all. Are you sharing this information with people? Are you following us on IG, Facebook? It might help somebody. Fan base. All of those things. Uh, we are at Create Generational Wellness on all platforms. This applies not just to daughters. It can apply to sons. You might need to, you might watch this or <coughs> listen to this and be like, wow, I need to have a conversation with my mama about some things. Go ahead. We encourage you. Okay. Just let us know about it in the comments. <laughs> let us know. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's going on. If this thing is working. If there's some topic you want us to talk about, we will do that. Anyway, that's it. We'll see y'all next week. Uh, good night, happy one. Thursday. And uh, have a good Mother's Day, man. Celebrate your mama Celebrate this weekend, your mama. Uh, remember your mama in the spirit. Uh, She's just trying to make it through, too. If they've transitioned, um, love on your aunties, your play aunties, your mamas, your cousins, your, all the people that are maternal figures in your life. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Love y'all. Peace. Bye. Bye.